Hello and welcome. My name is Joe O'Mara. I'm the Head of Aviation Finance with KPMG. And on behalf of KPMG and Ireland Economics, I'm delighted to be joined by Tim Myers. Tim is the President of Boeing Capital Corporation. He is joining us for the purposes of our Aviation Leaders Report. I should say we're recording this on the 12th of December. Tim, thanks again for joining us for the purpose of the report. Before we get into the meat of the questions, do you want to tell our watchers a little bit about Boeing Capital Corp? Great. And thank you, Joy. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk about the industry, where we're going. At Boeing Capital, our role is to really make sure that the Boeing customers that are coming to take our products, uh, whether that be commercial aircraft, freighters, whether that be satellites, you name it, um, have the financing they need to take delivery of our products. So we cover a vast array of financial markets. Um, I would say 85% of what we do is in the commercial market space. Um, we also uh, look at, we are a center of expertise for credit uh, and financial reviews. So we do look at our entire supply base. We're involved with trade-ins and transitions of aircraft, uh, if there's ever anything in that involvement. So we're very connected with our sales team on campaigns. Uh, making sure the customers are comfortable uh, with the way they will be financing their deliveries. So we're, we're there from the start of the campaign all the way to the tail end, whether that be a trade-in, you name it. Um, if it's necessary, we will step in and provide financing support. And you can see that right on our balance sheet of the Boeing company, um, how much backstop financing we have. But it's less than 5% historically has ever been called, especially today. The markets have been extremely robust. We've not had to finance an aircraft in almost three years. Uh, when you look at where the markets have been in the, in the competitive nature of the liquidity that's currently out there. Yeah, and we might touch on some of those points as we go through. You bet. Today. Maybe it's starting off and framing it, given the breadth that, that you have and Boeing has, uh, across the entire market. Can you give us your perspectives on how you've seen, you know, the very significant recovery in air travel progressing over the course of 22? Yes, it's been, you know, quite robust. I mean, I've been through a few, few cycles uh, in the past, but this cycle, certainly the pandemic through the industry is something we've never seen before. And to see it come back as quickly as it has, especially in a number of domestic markets. Certainly the US market is extremely robust. The European market is coming back strongly. Other areas, uh, Latin America is doing well. Certainly we continue to suffer a bit in Asia with China and its lockdown policies has restricted, but even certain parts of Southeast Asia are coming back quite strongly as well. So we, we expect that the Boeing company, you know, for the market to really recover on the passenger side in 23 and 24. And as I said, some pockets of domestic markets are already exceeding 2019 levels today. And on, on the debt market side, Tim, can I get your perspectives on the current situation, both in relation to the kind of traditional aviation lending market, but also really interesting your thoughts on the kind of non-traditional lenders. So we've seen the alternative lender class, 
you know, proliferate over the last couple of years, significantly private equity backed, but not always. Just your thoughts on where those markets sit and how you see them evolving into next year. Yeah, we've seen a lot go on here, Joe. I think, you know, certainly those of us that are in the business know that the ABS market, which was really a, a market set up to work a lot with mid-market lessors, is currently on a hiatus uh, due to the Russian uh, phenomena that we had where a number of aircraft were seized. Uh, again, something we've never seen. I've been in this market since, oh gosh, mid 80s. And to see something like this, it's really never happened uh, at such a grand scale. And so that really hit some of the markets pretty hard. But the debt market continues to be very robust, um, especially when you look at uh, some of the banks and their key customers, they remain very committed to those customers and are doing a lot of lending. Um, with Basel 3.5, 4.0, whatever you want to call it, um, that is having banks take a look at their aviation lending space and what kind of capital allocations that'll have on their balance sheet. So with that, we continue to see folks look at WTC market, which has been very strong. There's a number of folks that are waiting now with interest rates where they're at. They're waiting to see what's happening. So they're going to non-traditional things. Um, we have these private equity funds that have come in. Uh, we even recently saw the Saudi uh, investment fund jump in and sponsor a big lessor with some very talented management that they acquired. Um, looking at that space, knowing that that's a, a very good future and a bright future for them. So it's, it's coming from all areas. You've got the traditional banks, the capital markets have done less than last year. Now we recall last year, we had the big merger uh, with between Aircap and GCAS, and that was almost $25 billion in the marketplace. We haven't seen that kind of big uh, capital required, but so, and with interest rates rising, people are waiting on the fence a little bit. There's a lot of liquidity at the, certainly the US to Mexico, so they have the ability to fund with cash, but some are going uh, to the lessor market as well. I believe the numbers that I've heard is 60% of the deliveries in 22 will have gone to the lessors. And you might touch on that leasing market in a second, Tim. Can I get your perspectives on the attractiveness of aircraft as an asset class? You referenced Russia, We've come through COVID, um, you know, and we were seeing the other side of it to a significant degree. Then we saw Russia and the outsized impact in aviation finance. On to say that's negative, on the positive side, we see just the huge levels of resilience and the quick bounce back. Your perspectives on where aircraft sit, you know, as opposed to other asset classes. Yeah, no, Joe. This is uh, having gone through the pandemic and just look at the major lessors which own. 46% of the fleet today. You know, that asset class continues to be very strong and very robust. I mean, the fact that it's a mobile asset, that it's protected by, you know, Cape Town and a lot of laws that are out there um, has really helped. Certainly Russia has thrown us for a bit of a loop and we're all looking at what's going to happen there with the insurance products, but we'll bounce back from that. And, you know, most of the lessors have taken their lumps there and are you know, moving on and looking for future growth as well. So the asset class itself continues to show just how strong it is and the willing, I mean, the fact that you could come out of a pandemic 
and have the strength and the balance sheet of the lessors that we have. Uh, at any of the conferences lately, you hear them talking about you know, the rating agencies and the need to really raise their ratings uh, because of what they've been able to do and the strength of that asset class itself. Yeah, and, and maybe bringing you back then to that leasing macro, which you touched on there, you know, funding 60% of new deliveries, up around half of, of, of all the aircraft that are out there. And anecdotally, you kind of hear that the, the relationship between lessors and airlines has kind of deepened um, over the course of the pandemic, and they've enjoyed the flexibility of that finance and the support from a deferrals perspective. Can I get your thoughts and have, has the pandemic effectively given rise to a significant shift in the importance of leasing as a financing tool? I don't, I don't know if it's a significant shift. They've always been very strong. I mean, the leasing market started, you know, if you talk to Steve Hazy, the founder of, of the commercial operating lease back in 1973, it's grown to where it's at today, which we talked about almost 45, 46% of the market of the, of the fleet itself. So I do think uh, when you look at the majors and the big airlines, they view it as a flexibility tool, ability to really have within their fleet uh, an option to move in and out of aircraft types, to go up and down in size. When you look at the startup uh, startup airlines and a number of the LCCs, they look at the lessors as a way of liquidity because the lessors have, they want the assets, um, they look at the startup and they build their balance sheets with the lessors. So it's for a startup or a low cost carrier um, that's not of any significant size yet. The lessors are a very, very important part. So they are very significant and always have been, but has it gone more prevalent? I think you touched on it as well. When we went through the pandemic, a lot of the airlines went to that lessors, the lessors, um, especially the experienced lessors with the quality as a management teams gave them the kind of flexibility they needed to get through the pandemic. And now they're out of that. We're seeing the deferrals going away and people are starting to make it back. So, you know, those kind of relationships build over time and do become much more significant in your funding strategy. And maybe shifting gear, Tim, um, to, to focusing on the ESG side, maybe a particular focus on the E. Can you talk to us in your perspectives on how ESG is impacting aviation finance currently? Yes, this is something, Joe, that's going to continue to grow. Um, and there's a lot of focus being spent on it. People are trying to figure out, you know, which model do we look at? in terms of carbon emissions. We're seeing a number of financing nests now coming out with a sustainability element in it with KPIs uh, specifically assigned to an airline. So it's, it's something that's gonna be with us and gonna be a major part of aircraft financing. Uh, it's gonna be a major part of the lessor strategy, airline strategy, and certainly the OEMs. And can I ask you, do you see a time period? Because anecdotally you're here, because of the liquidity and capital that's been out there, it's important, but it probably hasn't impacted on the ability or the cost of raising funds. Do you see that something that's going to bite in the near term? Well, we're all kind of watching that. Um, you know, there's a number of, you know, uh, Euro taxonomy kind of things that are out there. I think the uh, aircraft lessors of Ireland are looking at it. Um, the AWG is looking at it. Um, a number of uh, 
governments are really taking a peek at, you know, what, what can they do in regards to aviation? And so we at Boeing are trying to work with those governments and work with those different associations to say, okay, what is the right model and what is the right solution? For us, the right solution is really focused on sustainable aviation fuels for the near term and even the long term. We're looking at all the alternatives, whether that be hydrogen, electric, you name it. But when you get into the larger aircraft types where you've got to move people 4,500 to 6,000 miles and you've got 150 to 250 passengers, that's just not uh, doable with some of those alternative technologies. Today, that is capable with SAF. Boeing's made the commitment by 2030, all of our aircraft will be a 100% ability to operate on SAF. And then it really comes down to, you know, how quickly can SAF uh, ramp up and be something that the airlines want to do? And there's a lot of things that are going to need to happen in terms of funding out there, um, in terms of, you know, bringing the stability to the pricing, because right now SAF is is pretty expensive, but there's a number of government initiatives out there that are creating incentives. Uh, the U.S. has done some pretty remarkable things. Um, and if is it incentive? Is it a tax? You name it. We're all watching it very, very closely. And this, this I think, in the next few years is really going to ramp up. Yeah, I think given given its importance as the key building block in the near term, it kind of has to, doesn't it? As you say, it's great to see the initiative in the U.S. You, Kind of hope the EU move a little bit from taxing people to encouraging people to producing SAF, yeah. right? To, yep. to, to to marry those two issues together. Um, if we move on to the metal side for for a minute, Tim, um, on on the kind of fleet focus aspect of it, you know, where are you seeing the big demand for? And if you kind of were standing back and saying the most investable aircraft are. <laughs> well, Boeing aircraft, of course. Yeah, clearly, clearly, clearly. Um, let's, let's stick with the types of Boeing aircraft. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, um, certainly the, the wide body market was hit very, very hard in the pandemic. Um, the narrow bodies continued to do quite well. Um, our 787 was actually the most utilized wide body in the pandemic of any aircraft type uh, in that space. And predominantly because of its low operating costs, but also its cargo capability, because that's the other side of the marketplace. Cargo went uh, pretty through the roof when the pandemic hit because everybody started ordering everything online, wanting it shipped to their door uh, because they didn't couldn't get out there. But you you look at the narrow body space still, that's very much in favor. We have the uh, a complete lineup. I like Boeing's lineup in our commercial aircraft space. Uh, the Dash 8, the Dash 9 have sold very, very well in the MAX product. The MAX is now authorized in 190 different countries. We got a couple of more to go uh, and we're working those very, very hard. Um, we're also in the development on the MAX 7 and the MAX 10 and we have a good order base for both of those aircraft. So I like our space in the in the narrow body space. And right now the airlines are looking at, you know, the future. They're looking at the very things you were talking about in terms of uh, ESG and operating costs of their fleets. So they're out reordering and refleeting um, in a in a big way, both 
ourselves and our competitor have order books that are very, very strong. Um, on the wide body front, you know, with the elimination of the four engine aircraft, you know, we stopped production of the 747, the A380 is no longer in production. It's a real focus on what is the large, you know, uh, dual engine wide body that's going to be out there. And I like our, I like our space. I love the 787. We've got the Dash 8, the Dash 9, the Dash 10, all have sold well. Um, we're getting great diversification and uh, it's one of the fastest selling wide bodies ever. The 777X um, has sold extremely well. Also, we're in development on that aircraft and its freighter version. So the product lineup is strong at the Boeing company. We've got a lot of stuff in the development pipeline at the present time. And uh, so go Boeing. <laughs> Absolutely right. Uh, and to bring it in a couple of couple of times, you touched on cargo freighter there, Tim. Can I can I get your perspectives on that market? So one that has always been a little bit spiky, right? Long term trend positive, but a little bit spiky. We've seen a step change post COVID. Some of the more recent data a little less clear. But your perspectives on the long term outlook for that space and and your thoughts on on how Boeing are angling towards it. Sure. Yeah, great question, Joe. And, you know, Boeing has our commercial market outlook that we publish, which is a 20-year forecast. And in that 20-year forecast, it's projecting an 80% growth in the cargo fleet over the next 20 years. Um, you know, we saw it in 2021 with the highest orders we've ever seen for our cargo aircraft. We sold 84 new uh, production freighters. We sold a hundred, over a hundred plus of our Boeing converted freighter. We started up new freighter lines, freighter conversion lines to meet that demand. Uh, we've continued to see demand in 2022, maybe not as strong as what we saw in 2021, but we saw orders for our 777X freighter, which was great with an order from Cargo X for 10 plus uh, some more options. And so that market will continue to be strong. I think it went, uh, a little nutty in the pandemic, um, and it's stabilized a bit. It's not growing at where it was before, but it's still stable, and, and we continue to see strong demand uh, again over our whole product lineup in the in the cargo market, cargo aircraft. And we currently hold about ninety percent of the market share of the cargo fleet that's out there today. So I really like Bowen's position there in the cargo market. And in relation to challenges in that market, can you talk to us a little bit about it? Obviously, your PTF, PTF has been very popular, right? Um, but but the slots are challenging, right? And, and making sure that people, I, I guess, know what they're getting into. Can you talk to us a little bit about how the cargo market maybe throws out some different types of challenges? Yeah, I think the cargo market in the past, you know, a number of the operators have been, been there. When you look at a commercial airline and you look at the cargo, and how they order, it's very different. And it's, as you said, it's a bit spiky. When they see demand, they order. When they see demand falling off, they, they quiet down. But I think because there's been a long-term trend in the cargo market, longer than we've seen, and they see the kind of demand uh, out there for the passenger, I mean, for the, uh, for the freighter product, I think you're gonna see a lot more continued demand. Um, yes, there is some difficulties right now in getting some freighter conversion lines up and running. The 777, what's going on with the 300ER product is 
it, we're going to see three competitors potentially come out there. Um, who will be the number one? We're, well, let's see where that goes. Uh, but it's a strong market, and there's a lot of 300 yards that I think uh, different lessor own that are looking for that as an option for the future. Because, you know, passenger uh, conversion to cargo, that, you know, can often see an air, aircraft go 30, 35 years in life. Yeah, no, I think, as you say, we've got to be a really, really interesting market and really interesting statistics on that Boeing report. And, um, you know, a lot of positivity when we're chatting there, Tim. That, look, there's obviously challenges and macro uncertainties. There always is. It feels like there's more at the moment, though. Can I ask yeah. you on a stand back as you look out into 23? What are your optimism levels like? Yeah, my, my optimism is good. Um, and, and being that the underlying issue in all of this is people want to fly people had their still pent up demand people haven't got out where they wanted to go um, some markets have still been shut down that are now opening up business travel is coming back very strong um, I myself personally have found on the road here for the last two months almost solid um, people want to get back out they want to build those relationships so the underlying issue is that the passenger uh, demand for travel continues to be very robust and will continue to be robust in the future. Um, we're, I think, through the revenge travel where we saw initially out of the pandemic, but uh, we still have a lot of people that want to get out there and rebuild those relationships, uh, either with family, friends, your business colleagues. So that's that's key. I do think you know we're going to we're looking at higher interest rates. What does that do to the global economy? You know we're paying attention to that. Um, in the U.S., they're saying it's a it's a short recession. If there is a recession, I think there's more on the global scale. And the other thing to watch is really China and what what's going to happen there, and when do they start opening up, and how quickly does that uh, cause some of our Asia traffic to really come back? So, I'm overall overall I'm very optimistic. I think 23, 24 will be the years where we get back in the kind of 2019 overall global growth and you'll see uh, very robust passenger demand tip on that hopeful note i'd like to thank you as always for your excellent insights on behalf of kpmg and airline economics and i'd like to wish you and boeing a very successful 2023 thank you very much joe and it's a pleasure to be on we appreciate the chance to provide some input thank you so much <music>